part two of antietam national battlefield maryland by frederick tilburg this librivox recording is in the public domain part two the lines are poised for action at two p m on the sixteenth hooker marched from his camp near keedysville crossed the upper bridge and late in the afternoon reached the hagerstown pike under cover of the north woods his division formed for the attack on both sides of the pike a massed force of more than twelve thousand men was ready to advance on the confederates lee's thin line three miles long had been reinforced early on the sixteenth by the arrival of jackson's troops from harper's ferry they were placed where they could support the northern part of the confederate line john walker's division arriving from harper's ferry in the afternoon took position south of sharpsburg jackson now commanded the confederate front north of sharpsburg longstreet with a part of his force north of the village extended the line nearly a mile south when lee's outposts near antietam creek informed him in mid-afternoon that hooker's federals were massing north of sharpsburg lee moved some of his men to advance positions hood established a line east of the hagerstown pike with part of his troops in a cornfield and others extending the front to the east woods skirmishers spread out far in front additional troops were rushed from reserve near lee's headquarters at the oak grove west of sharpsburg they extended the line west across the hagerstown pike it was dusk by the time hooker's force was ready to charge with major-general george meade's men leading the way they struck hood's confederates at the edge of the east woods and in the adjacent fields a brisk artillery fire from opposing batteries forced the men to seek cover the gathering darkness made it difficult for the forces on either side to locate their marks gradually the opening skirmish at antietam ended the thrust of the federal skirmishers however made it clear to lee just where the next federal blow would fall even as hooker's federals withdrew to the cover of the north woods strong forces were moving to their aid the two powerful corps under mansfield and sumner mansfield would lead the twelfth corps across antietam creek about midnight and encamp one and a half miles northeast of hooker sumner's second corps would cross the antietam at prize mill ford at seven thirty the next morning to lend additional support lee too was counting on reinforcements mclaw's division was expected to arrive on the field by mid-morning a p hill who had been left at harper's ferry to handle details of the surrender would arrive late in the day on the evening of september sixteenth picket lines were so close that the men on both sides though unable to see each other could hear footsteps they knew that a tremendous struggle would begin at dawn some tried to sleep but scattered firing throughout the night made this difficult others cleaned and cleaned again their rifled muskets whose huge bullets made holes as big as silver dollars artillerists brought up ammunition for their smooth-bore napoleons so deadly at close range and for the long-range rifled parrot guns and so these men got through the night each one facing the impending crisis in his own way hooker strikes at daybreak a drizzling rain fell during the night 
the morning of the seventeenth broke gray and misty but the skies cleared early as rays of light outlined the fringe of trees about the dunker church restless federal skirmishers opened fire a line of rifle fire flashed from the southern muskets far out in front of the church soon powerful federal guns on the bluffs beyond antietam creek poured a raking fire of shot and shell into the confederate lines the first stage of mcclellan's plan of crushing lee folding up the confederate left flank was about to begin hooker struck with tremendous force with skirmishers still hotly engaged ten brigades moved out from the cover of the north woods brigadier-general abner doubleday's men advanced along the hagerstown pike brigadier-general james ricketts force charged down the smoketown road toward the dunker church part of meade's division in the centre was held in reserve hooker's artillery massed on the ridge near the poffenberger house raked the confederate lines heads down and bent to the side like people breasting a hailstorm the wave of federals charged southward spreading over the front from east woods to the fringe of west woods from left and from right confederate brigades poured into the fray to buttress jackson's line of battle d h hill sent three brigades from the sunken road dangerously weakening his own line but then first things first and this is the story of the confederate defense throughout the day hood's two brigades stood in reserve in the woods adjoining the dunker church eight thousand confederates awaited hooker's assault while most of jackson's men formed a line from east to west in front of the dunker church brigadier-general a r lawton had sent a strong force into the miller cornfield three hundred yards in advance concealed he believed from the enemy doubleday's federals came upon the cornfield as we appeared at the edge of the corn related major rufus dawes a long line of men in butternut and gray rose up from the ground simultaneously the hostile battle lines opened a tremendous fire upon each other men i cannot say fell they were knocked out of the ranks by dozens hooker nearby saw farther in the field the reflection of sunlight from the enemy's bayonets projecting above the corn ordering all of his spare batteries to the left of this field the federal guns at close range raked the cornfield with canister and shell in the time i am writing hooker later wrote every stalk of corn in the northern and greater part of the field was cut as closely as could have been done with a knife and the slain lay in rows precisely as they had stood in their ranks a few moments before it was never my fortune to witness a more bloody dismal battlefield those confederates who survived the slaughter in the cornfield now fled before the federal onslaught heading for west woods they had to clamber over the picket and rail fence bordering the hagerstown pike many were shot in the attempt and lay spread-eagled across the fence or piled on either side one soldier recalled the hysterical excitement that now gripped the union troops the only thought was victory without regard for safety they charged forward loading firing and shouting as they advanced in contrast were the fallen as waves of blue-clad troops swept by wounded men looked up and cried for aid but there was no time to stop 
while doubleday's division charged through the cornfield ricketts men on the left of the attacking columns pushed through the east woods to its southern fringe captain dunbar ransom's battery broke from the cover of the east woods and fired shot and shell into the staggering confederate lines for more than an hour the battlefront flamed along an extended semicircular line from the open fields of the muma farm northwest through the cornfield to the rocky ledges in west woods the fury of the federal attack had carried doubleday's and ricketts men deep into the confederate line and now meade's reserve brigades rushed forward in this critical stage jackson launched a driving counter-attack hood's men supported by d h hill's brigades battered the federals back to the cornfield but were halted by the point-blank fire of union guns in east woods mansfield renews the attack as the remnants of hooker's command sought shelter under the cover of powerful federal batteries in front of east woods a new threat faced the confederates mansfield's twelfth corps which had encamped more than a mile to the rear of hooker during the night had marched at the sound of hooker's opening guns at seven thirty a m almost an hour and a half later mansfield's force was approaching from the north in heavy columns seeing hooker's plight mansfield now rushed to the forefront of his men urging them to the attack but his work was cut short by a confederate ball mortally wounded he was carried from the field without pause brigadier-general alpheus williams moved up to command and the attack swept on over ground just vacated by hooker on the right brigadier-general samuel crawford's division bore down the hagerstown pike toward the confederates in west woods attacking in separate units however their lines were shattered by brigadier-general j r jones men fighting from the cover of projecting rocks j e b stewart's artillery from the hill a half mile to the west rapidly dispersed the remnants on the left the federals fared better they pounded hood's men back across the fields toward the dunker church and opened a great gap in the confederate line into the hole plunged brigadier-general george s green's union division only a desperate confederate stand stopped green's men at the dunker church there they remained an isolated salient beyond support the federal assault had shot its bolt attacking separately the two corps of hooker and mansfield had each come within a hair of breaking jackson's line what if they attacked together again and again through this long day the same question changing only the names would apply it may have been while observing this critical fight near the dunker church that general lee saw a straggler heading back toward camp lugging a pig that he had killed with disaster so close and straggling one of its chief causes lee momentarily lost control and ordered jackson to shoot the man as an example to the army instead jackson gave the culprit a musket and placed him where action was hottest for the rest of the day he came through unscathed and was afterward known as the man who had lost his pig but saved his bacon jackson prepares an ambush by nine a m three hours of killing had passed 
the miller cornfield had become a no-man's land its tall stalks trampled to the ground and strewn with blood-soaked corpses firing had been so intense had so fouled the men's muskets that some of them were using rocks to pound their ramrods home for a moment the fighting ceased then powerful reserves were rushed forward by commanders of both armies to renew the battle jackson was in extreme danger green's federals still lurked near the dunker church waiting only for support to renew their attack on the frayed confederate line and at this very moment a mass of blue-clad infantry could be seen emerging from the east woods half a mile away it was part of sumner's second corps moving up from the morning's third major federal attack swiftly jackson gathered together reinforcements from other sectors of the battlefield some had arrived from harper's ferry these were mcclaw's men with hardly a pause they moved north and disappeared into the west woods lee ordered walker's two brigades north from the lower bridge they too disappeared into the west woods thus they came racing from far and near as soon as they came in jackson craftily placed these men behind the rocks and ridges at the western fringe of the woods soon they formed a great semicircle whose outer points perfectly encompassed the five thousand men in sumner's approaching column ten thousand confederates were there now they disappeared into the landscape and waited sumner's second corps under orders to support the attack on the confederate left had prepared at dawn to cross antietam creek at pry mill ford impatient sumner had awaited the signal to march while the battle raged with increasing violence on the ridge beyond the stream finally at seven thirty a m he led major-general john sedgwick's division across the ford brigadier-general william french's division followed but soon drifted to the south and lost contact with sedgwick believing that he still led two divisions sumner continued his march past the east woods by now he knew that the earlier federal attackers could give him no support but he believed that the confederates who had repulsed them must be equally exhausted and disorganized striking now immediately he might turn the tide before the enemy had time to recover in his hurry sumner neglected to make sure that french's division followed closely in his rear neither had he taken time to reconnoitre the confederate front in the west woods soon after nine a m sedgwick's heavy column with sumner in the lead started toward the hagerstown pike battle flags waving bayonets glistening the division marched forward in brigade front long swaying lines of two ranks each unmolested they crossed the pike and passed into the west woods almost surrounding them were jackson's quietly waiting ten thousand suddenly the trap was sprung caught within a pocket of almost encircling fire in such compact formation that return fire was impossible sedgwick's men were reduced to utter helplessness completely at the mercy of the confederates on the front flank and rear the federal lines were shattered by converging volleys so appalling was the slaughter nearly half of sedgwick's five thousand men were struck down in less than twenty minutes but the trap had not been completely closed in the confusion of the surprise assault many regiments on the federal right found an opening 
hastily withdrawing to the northeast they soon found cover under the protecting fire of sedgwick's artillery in the cornfield other batteries in the east woods and to the north joined in the cannonade eagerly grasping the opportunity for a counter-attack jackson's line now swept across the open fields and charged the federal batteries in front of east woods but the fire was more than sheer valor could overcome blasted with grape and canister from the crossfire of fifty guns the confederates staggered then gave way and drew back to the cover of west woods there protruding rock strata protected them meanwhile from his menacing position near the dunker church green was driven back by confederate reserves three-quarters of lee's army was now north of sharpsburg the successive federal attacks had punched the northeast salient of the confederate left and center inward toward the dunker church now these two sectors were merged into one long line that ran roughly southeast from nicodemus hill past the dunker church to end along the sunken road what had been the right southern end of the long confederate line was now the rear properly speaking lee had no center he had two separate lines the main one facing northeast toward east woods and a detached guard force facing southeast toward the lower bridge between them was only a thin line of riflemen if mcclellan now delivered simultaneous hammer blows from northeast east and southeast he would surely destroy lee's weak defensive setup but if he continued his piecemeal attacks lee could keep on shuttling his brigades back and forth to meet them and this is what they both did the fight for the sunken road sedgwick may have wondered in the moments before the confederate onslaught in the west woods why general french was not closely following him nor is it clear in view of french's instructions why he did not do so french's troops had crossed prize mill ford in sedgwick's wake after marching about a mile west they had veered south toward the roulette farmhouse possibly drawn that way by the fire of enemy skirmishers continuing to advance they became engaged with confederate infantry at the farmhouse and in a ravine which inclined southward to a ridge on the west of this ridge a strong enemy force waited in a deeply cut lane the sunken road worn down by farm use and the wash of heavy rains the natural trench joins the hagerstown pike five hundred yards south of the dunker church from this point the road runs east about a thousand yards then turns south towards the boonsboro pike that first one thousand yards was soon to be known as bloody lane posted in the road embankment were the five brigades of d h hill at dawn these men had faced east their line crossing the sunken road but under the pressure of the federal attacks on the confederate left they had swung northward three of hill's brigades had been drawn into the fight around the dunker church then green's federals had driven them back toward the sunken road there hill rallied his troops about ten thirty a m as the men were piling fence rails on the embankment to strengthen the position a strong enemy force appeared on their front steadily advancing with parade-like precision it was french's division heading up the ravine toward sunken road ridge 
crouched at the road embankment hill's men delivered a galling fire into french's ranks the federals fell back then charged again one union officer later wrote for three hours and thirty minutes the battle raged incessantly without either party giving way but french's division alone could not maintain its hold on the ridge hurt by fire from confederates in the road and on either side the union men gave way still it was not over french's reserve brigade now rushed up restoring order in the disorganized ranks once again the division moved forward now opportunely major-general israel richardson's federal division also of sumner's corps arrived on the left of french and was about to strike hill's right flank in the road embankment it was a critical moment for the confederates aware that loss of the sunken road might bring disaster lee ordered forward his last reserve the five brigades of major-general r h anderson's division at the same time brigadier-general robert rhodes of hill's division launched a furious attack to hold the federals back until anderson's men could arrive this thrust kept french's men from aiding richardson who even now prepared to assault the confederates in the road as french's attack halted richardson swept forward in magnificent array richardson was a tough old fighter bluff and courageous a leader of men one of his officers recalled his leading the advance sword in hand where's general blank he cried some soldiers answered behind the haystack oh, damn the field officers the old man roared pushing on with his men toward the sunken road in three units they passed to the east of the roulette farmhouse and charged the confederates at the crest of the ridge as the struggle increased in fury r h anderson's brigades arrived in the rear of hill's troops in the road but anderson fell wounded soon after his arrival and suddenly the charging confederate counter-offensive lost its punch by a mistake order rhodes men in the sunken road near the roulette lane withdrew to the rear a dangerous gap opened on the confederate front the artillerist lieutenant colonel e p alexander wrote later when rhodes brigade left the sunken road lee's army was ruined and the end of the confederacy was in sight union colonel francis barlow saw the gap in the confederate front opened by rhodes withdrawal quickly swinging two regiments astride the road he raked its length with perfectly timed volleys routed by this devastating enfilade the confederate defenders fled the road and retreated south toward sharpsburg only a heroic rally by d h hill's men prevented a breakthrough into the town the sunken road was now bloody lane dead confederates lay so thick there wrote one federal soldier that as far down the road as he could see a man could have walked upon them without once touching ground the federals had suffered heavily too their bodies covered the approaches to the ridge in the final moments while leading his men in pursuit colonel barlow had been seriously wounded and shortly after his commander general richardson had fallen with a mortal wound the fight for the sunken road had exhausted both sides at one p m they halted and panting men grabbed their canteens to swish the dust and powder from their rasping throats the confederate retreat from bloody lane had uncovered a great gap in the centre of lee's line 
a final plunge through this hole would sever the confederate army into two parts that could be destroyed in detail only a few scattered handful of harvey hill's division were left wrote general william allen and r h anderson's was hopelessly confused and broken there was no body of confederate infantry in this part of the field that could have resisted a serious advance so desperate was the situation that general longstreet himself held horses for his staff while they served two cannons supporting hill's thin line but mcclellan's caution stopped the breakthrough before it was born though franklin's sixth corps was massed for attack mcclellan restrained it it would not be prudent to make the attack he told franklin after a brief examination of the situation our position on the right being considerably in advance of what it had been in the morning so mcclellan turned to defensive measures franklin's reserve corps would not be committed but would remain in support of the federal right and in the center mcclellan held back fitzjohn porter's fifth corps after all reasoned the federal commander was not this the only force that stood between the enemy and the federal supply train on the boonsboro pike but porter was not quite alone the entire federal artillery reserves stood with him further brigadier-general alfred pleasanton had placed his cavalry and artillery on a commanding ridge west of the middle range during the morning from here he had already supported the attack by sumner's corps on the sunken road and he had aided burnside's efforts on the left now he stood poised for further action pleasanton was to wait in vain his dual purpose of obtaining an enfilading fire upon the enemy in front of burnside and of enabling sumner to advance to sharpsburg was nullified by mcclellan's decision to halt and take the defensive in striking contrast to mcclellan's caution general lee was at that very moment considering a complete envelopment of the federal flank at the north and east woods by this means he might relieve the pressure on d h hill for despite the lull lee could not believe that mcclellan had halted the attack there if the attack in the north woods succeeded lee hoped to drive the federal remnants to the banks of antietam creek and administer a crushing defeat jackson and j e b stuart early in the afternoon shifted northward and prepared to charge the federal lines when they arrived close to the powerful federal artillery on poffenberger ridge they saw that a confederate attack there would be shattered by these massed guns a wholesome respect for federal artillerists now forced lee to withdraw his order as he did so heavy firing to the south heralded a new threat developing there end of part two